Yo, Sixer Nation, what is good? Sixers wrap up the preseason with a dub. 4-0 on the Young Campaign. They take down the Hornets at home. James Harden, Joel Embiid, Montrez Harrell, the rest of the crew getting it done. And now we're on to the season, man. Ready to rock. Coming for the top spot in the East. Sixers get it done. Welcome in to Philly Take with RB. Sixers post game live presented by Manscaped, leading provider of below the men's waist grooming products. RB and Sean Bernard tapping in, ready to chop it all up. Sixer Nation stand up. Let's go. Sixers get the W, man. That's what you like to see. They handled business. It wasn't pretty. They came out very lackluster. I was worried about the team getting through healthy. We'll talk about that. We'll we'll discuss some injury updates. But the most important thing is that the Sixers got through the game. They won. They're 4-0 in the preseason. That doesn't matter. But good vibes only. The team looked like they they like they're putting it together. They looked like they're, you know, putting some of those rhythms together. Seeing James Harden play a lot better today. I know the box score warriors, the people that only tune into the box or maybe maybe you're maybe you're one of those people, right? You're watching the Phillies uh postseason right now. Very sad what's going on right that right now in that game. But maybe you're one of those people, you're just tuning into the box score. Let me tell you something. James Harden played pretty well today. Joel Embiid in midseason form. Overall, I'm happy. I'm happy. We'll break it all down. Sean, how you feeling, man? Yeah, feel good. Feels good. Uh, Forna starts the preseason. Can't ask for much more than that. Felt good to see the the real squad run out there and do their thing tonight. See everybody play together out there for a, lo- a little bit longer than I would have hoped tonight. But I thought everybody looked good. We saw kind of the, the regular season flashes of play from the big names, the Joel Embiid, James Harden, this team that we're looking for. So I'm very encouraged from what they, uh, what they showed this preseason. I'm, I'm ready for the real thing to start. Yeah, absolutely, man. So the Sixers come out. They they beat the Hornets once again, 99-94. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit that like button for your boys. Subscribe to the show. Share it around. Share it around. Share it to your friends. Be sure to follow Sean as well on Twitter. Does a fantastic job. One of the best upcoming men. And he's got his own platform and everything. But we're tapping in, man. Look, what I was looking for today was the Sixers to get through, to be healthy, and and to essentially just come out here and and put a productive performance up. That's what they did. They end up winning it. Some of the, the second stringers, the third stringers, they get the job done. But I really liked what I saw. This was a very promising day. My main takeaways from this game, number one, if perfected, if given more experience, now that they've had time to put it together, the James Harden, Joel and Bede combination, yeah, it can be legit. Another thing I took away from this game, Montrez Harrell. Once again, being a dog, being a presence on this team. And we saw it, right? Doc tried to let the starters go into the third quarter. He tried to go and simulate what his potential rotation could look like. And Montrez Harrell got the majority of the backup minutes, and he has earned every one of them. He played well. And the last thing, honestly, man, this Sixers team is, is much deeper than before. They're much deeper, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was... Uh... And I would like to add a little bit onto that. The James Harden, I was very encouraged with what I saw tonight. I know the the shooting splits weren't perfect. Four for eight from three, uh, six for 15 from the field. But he ended with 17 points, five assists. And to me, the biggest thing I'm looking for with him is just that little bit of pop, that little bit of shake with him. And I saw the most uh, most from him in that regard that I have all preseason. He had Plumley a little bit a couple times, created separation, had two catch-and-shoot threes tonight, which is super encouraging. Used the mid-range, which I'm also really excited to see. And kind of what you alluded to, just the depth of this team. When you think about the guys that we used to rely on so heavily, the the Shake Milton's, the Furkan Korkmaz, Matisse Thibel, Georges Niang, to see these guys almost as like pieces on the outside of this bench puzzle is just a testament to like how much better the team has gotten. And that's great news if we're looking at this from a championship contender. And beyond just the Embiid and Harden combo, we're seeing like the buildup around that and what they can do in addition to that. I think it was like literally the first play of the game today where uh, Harden found Tucker cutting the basket. He kicked it out to Maxi for a corner three. And it's that kind of thing that it's like, we can now build off that. Like the, the James Harden and Joel Embiid pick and roll is going to be 
the center of everything we do on offense. And to have things like spouting off that is super encouraging. And to see that in the preseason, I'm thrilled by it. I couldn't have said it any better. I couldn't have said it any better. Shout out to Hayden with the $5 Super Chesses. I know this about the Sixers and love them, obviously. But come on, Reese, have to make that play. A lot of upside for the Sixers squad. Very excited. I agree with you, Hayden. I feel your pain, brother. I feel your pain. We were backstage watching the game. I mean, you got to make that play. Trust me, you have to make that play. Phillies are hurting right now, but they got to bounce back. On to the Sixers, though, I agree. A lot of upside, a lot of potential. If they can all click and put this together, and going back to what you said about James Harden, who tonight, 17 points, three rebounds, five assists. Now, he shot six for 15 from the field. And just like last game and the game before, you have a bunch of these people that come out and, oh, James Harden didn't play well. Oh, you know, look at the box score. It wasn't efficient. If you if you took your own two eyes and you watched the game, just like Sean said, it immediately stood out. He, he's beating guys off the dribble more than he did last year. It's not perfect by any means. There's still flaws. There's still time that, that it needs to take for it to, you know, get better. But what I saw and what Sean saw, you know, James Harden's beating some guys off the dribble. He's getting to his spots. Sure, you want to see some of those shots fall. But the one play you brought up, which I thought was honestly the best play of the night. There, there was nothing that topped it. You know, James Harden finding P.J. Tucker. First off, he creates the lane and he draws the defender. And P.J. Tucker with a nice screen and slip. And I'll actually pull up the play so we can look at it here. You know, James Harden, you know, bringing the ball up the floor and uh, just seeing the way that... Just seeing the way that P.J. Tucker creates the space, he sets the screen and then slips, and then a little touch out to Maxi. And I, I knew that shot was going in. Like, like we said last time, Maxi's shot is getting to the point where it's like it's automatic. It, it's almost like it's automatic. Would you agree? Now, I know Maxi had kind of an off night, which we'll talk about, but for the most part, like this Maxi corner three is getting there. Yeah, 100%. He shot 57% on corner threes last year, which is just – an absolutely absurd rate. And uh, all the numbers went up after the Harden signing, which I do think is something to note, thinking about just the way he creates the more open shots he gets. And we're seeing that build off. And to have a guy who can do everything that he does as far as being dynamic with the ball, being an additional ball handler, uh, being able to attack them and finish and still being able to be a guy that can sit in the corner. Like a lot of times when you think of the guys that are like the quote unquote floor spacers, they're simply like stationary shooters that sit in the corner and play defense. Maxi is still capable of being a guy that can sit in the corner and do that and can do so much more to this game. So it's super valuable when you think about like the offensive sets that they run and everything else that you can throw on his plate. And like, it wasn't his best showing tonight, but I'm cool with seeing he's a little bit of human. Like he's been shooting at an unreal rate. He was 66% from three in the preseason coming into this game. Uh, it's good for him to take a little step back, put off the gas and get his mind right that he's not perfect. I think. Absolutely. And and let's take a step back here. We're not by any means saying the Sixers played perfect tonight or very good. No, they, this was probably their their worst offensive performance of the preseason, yet they still found a way to win the game. And I know, again, it doesn't matter. You're bringing in some of the bench guys, but when it counted, right? And, and the first quarter didn't look that well. You came out, you weren't shooting too well, but plays like this. I thought Harden was really that aggressor. I thought he was finding those looks. And one thing I noticed about James Harden was, it was kind of like like the trigger was going off a little bit faster. Like, I feel like he didn't hesitate. It wasn't one of those first quarters where he goes, you know, 0 for 2, and we're like, well, why isn't Harden even trying to create anything? You know, but it's also at the point where he's not going heavy, heavy ISO. Like, I thought Harden really fit into the offense tonight. He's making plays like this. Again, Tucker, you know, he just does things you don't even see on the box score. We'll talk about him more in a second. And to your point about Maxie, I just, you know, like you said, he's human. He's human. But you know what the funniest thing is, Sean? At one point in this game, very early on, Tyrese Maxey gets hit in the face. The refs yeah. were terrible tonight. All right. They were terrible. I'm just going to say it. Tyrese Maxey was actually playing pretty well. And once he got slapped in the face, no call, by the way. And it was the first time I ever heard Maxey throw around the F-bomb. You kind of caught it on the, on the TV camera. All right. But once he got hit in the face, it's like he couldn't make a shot the rest of the night. I don't know if there's a coincidence there. He's fine. But like you said, man, Maxie's going to bounce back, and, and it just speaks to the Sixers' offense, right? Even if Maxie's not on, Harden and B can step up. That is the lethal offense that the Sixers have. You can pick and choose and ride the hot hand. Yeah, 100%. And I was going to say the same thing about Maxie, too. I, I've never seen him yell like a, for a call like that after <laughs> that. So shout out him showing a little, I don't know, scrap, whatever you want to say, growing up a little bit. But uh, 
yeah, I, I'm I'm completely okay with a, a little bit of an off night for him. And uh, as far as PJ Tucker, I do want to get into him. There was always yeah. that little scare of uh, Embiid falling down, and uh, Tucker kind of limped to the locker room a little bit, but came out in the second half, looked fine, and I think he's even undervalued for what we expected. Like the the decision making and the quick passing is stuff that I personally didn't give him enough credit in his game. We know about the corner threes, we know about the versatile defense, which is uh, it's going to be extremely important on this Sixers team. But like that pass to Maxi is to me is going to stick in my brain as something like giving having the trust in him off the short roll, doing stuff like that. He has a little floater game. There's a, there's a lot more of the intricacies to his game than I think is is recognized and. He's a, a seamless fit on this team overall, and I, he's going to increase this team's potential a ton. In so many ways. To me, he's kind of like the glue piece. He's like the connector that we never had. You need him to do a little bit of this, he can do that. You need him to kind of get the guys up, he can do that. You need him to go scrap for a possession and dive on the floor, he's doing that. He's doing all the little things, not everything that always shows up in the box score. But I agree with you 100% on that. Um, I think he was probably one of the most underrated signings of the entire offseason, not just for the Sixers, but you know, in general, and people were wondering, why did we give him that extra year? Why did we give him that money? Because he does things like that. It doesn't matter. He's 37. Okay. He does. We just saw it in a playoff series. And I feel like the the impact is going to be immediate. Doc Rivers talked about him, said, you know, the individual defense on his team has already improved and in big part due to PJ Tucker. Now I do want to mention very quickly, um, like Sean said, there was a, there was a scare in the second quarter. Now, I'm sitting back, my crazy preseason self. I'm screaming at the TV. Get the starters out. Get the starter. I I don't agree with that. I don't agree with playing the starters, you know, halfway into the third quarter. Some of them deep into the third. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think that once PJ Tucker went out, I I think you should have got the starters out. Now, luckily, like Kyle Newbeck says here, PJ Tucker walked off slowly um after Embiid hit the deck and took him on the way by looked like he might have grazed his knee luckily he was out there warming up before the second half so he is okay he's expected to be fine we dodged a bullet we dodged a bullet but I I would not have kept the starters in yeah you know I agree with that this was the most that they've played through preseason 27 minutes for both Harden and Maxi, 23 for Embiid uh it was nice to see like I I guess he was Kind of what you mentioned earlier, I think that Doc was trying to get a feel for the rotation, how he's going to move guys out, uh, but there's just no need for the risk. I The Joel chase down block, which was awesome. He timed oh, yeah. perfect. He landed right tonight, but my heart was jumping for that, just like seeing him line it up and being like, dude, it is preseason. Like, take your foot off the gas a little bit. Like, we got 82 before we even got to get to where the real games matter. So I'm pretty pro rest the guys as much as possible, even in the regular season because of like the unique circumstances with Embiid specifically is the main guy I'm talking about in this because of, you know, the history with him and how, how much his body hits the ground. He he was hitting the court in, in mid season form today. Just the, you know, how often he just like goes up and down and finds himself on the hardwood. So that didn't change tonight. I definitely would have taken him out a little, uh, a little earlier but at the end of the day everybody's healthy and that is the most important thing absolutely and i, I mean every time joel goes up i'm grimacing i'm gr- please please don't come down the wrong one please, please now that was a nice block and i felt like he took a lot of frustration out just looked like joe is playing with this sense of like anger and fr- it's like everything that has happened in the last three four years it's like it's built up it's built up inside and i like that that's the competitor in him now let's talk about joel and b because if there was any night that was the Joel night, I think we can all agree the first couple games were the maxi nights. Now, this was the Joel James night, and Joel and B, like you said, was in midseason form. He was fantastic tonight. Like, this was one of those games where it's the middle of December and you're playing an average team. The Hornets are nothing crazy. I know LaMelo Ball's out. Who knows how long he's going to be out? The Bridges thing, all that. The Hornets are not that crazy. Now, they always seem to make it competitive with the Sixers. But this was one of those games where, and, and I feel like we'll have these this season where it's like, all right, Joe, you're hot. You're ready early on. You got Mason Plumley on. You have a dude named Thor. I, I'm like, what are they playing superheroes out here in the preseason? You got Joel out there attacking. Just let him go. And I thought Harden was actually trying to find him at points as well, which I liked. I felt like they were really trying to decipher quickly and get the ball to Joel. But you see, look, 19 points. Eight for 17. It looked very good early on. He's hitting these little, you know, turnaround fades from eight feet out. These little mid-ranges. He even took a couple threes. This was Joel Embiid just like locked in mid-season form in that element tonight. And I thought he did what he needed to do. He absolutely dominated. And he put the team on his back. 
and I saw what I needed to see. Joel is ready for the season. Yeah, a hundred percent. In the the Cavs preseason game, so he sat out two of the four. The Cavs preseason game, I thought he kind of slept walked through, which I'm completely fine with because it is the preseason. Tonight, I I think he took it seriously, did his thing, and the offense still revolves around Joel Embiid, even with all these additional pieces, even with a little bit of a comeback from James Harden, the emergence of Tyrese Maxey. Joel Embiid is still the centerpiece of the Sixers organization and offense, and we saw it tonight, like him building out of the post. He was doing his uh, getting getting guys into foul trouble. Plumlee picked up three fouls in like the first five minutes, so uh, he was back to him, and it was nice to see because like I feel like uh, with all the attention to everyone else, we're kind of forgetting like how special this guy is and just like how blessed yeah. we are to have him as a, a part of the Sixers. And he kind of showed that tonight. So it was nice. It was a good reminder. And he's definitely ready for the real thing. Exactly. And, and when Tyrese Maxey goes three for 13, okay, he looks human. Am I concerned? No, not at all. I thought he was taking good shots. I thought he was missing them very shortly. And I, I mean, he was still in his rhythm, though. And that's the one thing I like, whether it's Maxey whether it's DeAnthony Melton, we'll talk about the bench in a second, whether it's a guy like that, even if you're off, they still continue to shoot. They still continue to try to knock down shots. It's not like, oh, you miss one or two shots and you go completely away from them. And and that's something I like. You got to ride through your best guys. And I thought Harden, Embiid, Maxi, like they were still applying pressure, even if it didn't look pretty at times. And it did not, you know, in the first quarter, the second quarter, then you come out in the third quarter your guys just click. They get it going. That's what happens. Basketball is a game of runs, and guys started to knock down shots, whether it's a, a George Niang three, all right, whether it's a, a Maxi three, whether it's a, a Harden. Even Harden, I think, hit a mid-range today. I was like, okay, James might be adding to his game. He might really be working on it with Sam Cassell. Um, and then and then guys like Montrez Harrell come in the game. You know, Trez, 14 points tonight, six rebounds, five for eight. Like, you, you find the energy, you find the spark from who brings it. And I think the Sixers have a lot of guys who are capable of that on a nightly basis. Yeah, definitely. And I I totally agree about the mid-range point about Harden. I believe he's attempted five mid-range jumpers uh, in preseason so far, which for a guy who has just blatantly avoided the mid-range for so long, that's super encouraging to me. And a lot of that goes back to like the Maury ball, the, the, the emphasis on analytics that like the most efficient shots are the three pointer and the at the rim because of like, the higher chance of making it and the extra value from the long range. But when you look at it from like a a real deal basketball perspective, like sometimes mid range is just what you have, like that's your best option. And especially James Harden, who even that I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing, his burst isn't necessarily what it once was. Still, he's still going to not be quite that player. So to just have that options of taking a little step back and shooting a little eight or 10 footer, I love that. And that's something that's important. I think that's going to help extend his career too, that you're not taking that beating, jumping into people, trying to get to the free throw line or doing whatever. And I'm I'm very encouraged by that. Those are the two biggest things. Uh, I mean, the what I'm encouraged the most by, I'll say, is just like the burst and the shake. But the two biggest changes that I think he's made is A, that mid-range, and B, just being comfortable with the catch and shoot. There were times last year where it would drive me crazy where it, the ball would get swing to him and he would still want to do his just like dribble, 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 step back yeah. and then shoot it when there just like isn't time for that at times. So to see him just being willing to step into a three and let it fly, that's awesome to me. And that's something that he's going to get those shots considering how this offense is going to work, the attention Embiid uh, demands, like a quick kick out, catch and shoot. If he can hit those at a reliable rate, which he absolutely should be able to, that's that's there for the taking. I agree. And I, I love how it's kind of like, you know, like spread around. I, I like how it's not too dominant on a James Hart. Like, you know, you start off with Maxi, he's trying to get going. Then you have Joel Embiid. Like I felt at times last year, it got too focused on one player. And if they weren't doing well, you know, maybe Maxi hits a couple shots. You don't see him for the rest of the game. I like how the offense is kind of getting spread around and you're getting guys open. Now Tobias Harris kind of struggled again. He went over five tonight. Um, but Tobias, he's getting those looks. That's what's most important to me. He's finding those those open threes. He just needs to knock them down. There's other guys um, who I thought came out and played decent. You know, some of the bench guys. Um, and, and and I definitely want to get your take on the bench. By the way, shout out to everybody in the chat. 200 in here. Hit that lo- that thumbs up button for us. Subscribe to the show. Call us up, man. 508-924-3784. If you want to call into the show, give your thoughts on this team. Call in, man. Um what is your takeaways from the bench? Because I, I thought um, the defense played well, at least from some of these other guys. And I thought my favorite part of the game from the bench was this one play where uh, DeAnthony Melton, I think it was DeAnthony Melton, takes it all the way. And then uh, Thibel 
or was it Charlie? I forget who it was, the, the first one. But then Thibel takes a steal and, and takes it all the way and jams at home. You know, it was like a two for one. I loved it, man. I thought those guys were bringing intensity. Um, and, and I think they're going to be more productive than in years past. Yeah, I think this is the the best bench unit that we've seen in our entire lifetime. And dating back to just how deep this team has been, the Sixers were 27th in the NBA in bench scoring last year, scored a little over 27 points per game, which just isn't going to cut it for uh, on any NBA team, regardless of how good your top end talent is. You just have to have guys that like can take a little bit of a load off it. And we're seeing that this year. Like all these guys are massive upgrades. The the scoring ability of Montrez Harrell. There's never been a backup center that the Sixers have had behind Joel Embiid that you're able to play through offensively. The best case scenario for one of the backup bigs was either catching a lob or getting a putback dunk. Harrell's a guy where you can leg- legitimately play through pick and roll. Uh, when In his time with Harden in Houston, their pick and roll numbers, he was within the 87th and 89th percentile for pick and roll production for points per possession. And I don't, I don't think he's going to hit quite that number at this point, but still just like seeing that is super exciting. And uh, DeAnthony Melton is just everywhere out there. He's just like a, a stuff doer. He gets his hands everywhere, makes a little impact, and I, I'm thrilled with what he can do. He's going to be breathing down Matisse Thibel for for minutes this year. Like Matisse is no longer like the necessary defensive glove because while Melton isn't necessarily the, the standout defender of Thibel or do the crazy things, he brings so much more offensively that the give and take is there. And a guy like Daniel House who. It's just perfect playing in his role. A guy who's become like a locker room favorite amongst a lot of the Sixers. These are all pieces that are just like two-way guys can make it happen. Not necessarily Trez is as much of a two-way guy, but just like the all-around upgrades and different like flavor of players that we have to throw out there is awesome to see. Yeah, and and DeAnthony Meltzer, you know, he goes two for six tonight. I still don't feel he's even gotten it under his belt yet, but there's something to be said about guys like DeAnthony Melton versus previous years where... You know, we go on a stretch of five games. Furkan comes in, shake. We know what we're getting. We still feel like DeAnthony Melton is making an impact. And that brings me to Trez, like you just alluded to. It's crazy how the presence of Montrez Harrell is felt immediately. Yeah. Immediately when he comes in the game, whether he's grabbing a big rebound, you know, giving a, pit, a big putback or just screaming or something like he, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. I think Montrezl Harrell may be the best backup center that Joel Embiid has had in his tenure. And maybe that's crazy of me, may, you know, Dwight and Drummond and stuff. But just looking at Montrezl Harrell, what he's been able to do so far and what I anticipate he will be able to do, I think people completely overreacted to the signing. I think just what he's able to bring, and he's able to bring more offensively than those other guys ever did. And what he really does, he just makes you more of a dynamic team. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have flaws. He obviously does. On the defensive end, he didn't look too well. But for what we need for the backup center, a guy that can come in and hold his own and impact the game in different ways. I thought Montrez Harrell uh, came in and was very productive in this preseason. And I expect him to do it in the regular season. Now, come playoff time, maybe it's a different story. Maybe you experiment. You know, you have Paul Reed, who we'll talk about, but... Overall, Trez, to me, gets a 10 out of 10 for this preseason showing. I thought he did everything that he needed to do for this squad. Yeah, and like you said, the energy, you feel it right away. There was a, a play, a two-way sequence tonight where he got a put back, laid it back in on the offensive end, runs back down, and, and sets gets a charge on the defensive end. It's like, yeah. I don't know if there's a quicker way to Sixers fans' hearts than just doing that, which was very cool. And like I like the optionality, having B-Ball Paul still – in the mix, I, I was a little surprised how heavily the minutes favored Montrez today. Uh, B-Wall Paul has been the first guy off the bench through the beginning of the preseason. It's still preseason, so we shouldn't read too heavily into that. And uh, Trez missed last game with an injury, so that obviously played a role too. But B-Wall Paul played only six minutes tonight uh, in the, the beginning of the fourth quarter, checked in with like nine minutes left, got subbed out with three. Uh, they're both guys that I think are playable. I think they're very complimentary of each other because of B-Ball Paul can do it on the defensive end versus Trez is such a, an offensive-minded uh, yeah. guy. Uh, I, I'm a little curious about the Montrez defense. Like Going into this, I've kind of given him credit as like he tries. It's just like not quite there like he, he's only six foot seven as much as he is like a big guy and he's like a generous six foot seven he's got a long wingspan it's like a seven foot four wingspan so he sh- i feel like he should have the hands and like the ability to to get into it more he looks pretty heavy footed i think that's probably the biggest reason but you have like like you talked about with the postseason where switching is com- becomes more important that's something b-ball paul excels in 
Uh, also, as a whole, these Sixers defense have switched so much more. That, to me, stood out throughout this entire preseason because that's been, like, a, a cause of concern in years past is, like, people, like, singling out guys and attacking them. And it, it, it looks way more fluid defensively. Just everybody can guard everybody. Everybody's willing to take a chance at everybody. And I, I love it. I'm, I'm very encouraged on that end of the floor. And, and, and my favorite stat of the night from Montrezl Harrell, it's not the points, it's not the rebounds, it's the fact he played 16 minutes and you know how many fouls he committed? Zero. Zero. How many times have we talked about these big guys getting in foul trouble and this and that and, you know, five fouls come end of the third quarter? He had nothing. He had nothing. And, and I get it. He didn't play the whole game. But I thought Trez had a really productive game tonight. And I agree about Paul Reed. It's more of a matchup-based thing. Um, and honestly, based on what you said on our last show together, I'm starting to, you know, become very curious about the idea of both of them playing together. because. Based off what I've seen from Paul Reed in this preseason, I think he's, you know, excelled as well. And I honestly think that's why we are not seeing Charles Bassey because, you know, you have Trez, you have Paul Reed. There's just no room for a guy like Bassey. Maybe he's gotten better. Maybe he hasn't. There's just no room. He's too raw. And the way Paul Reed is out here playing tenacious defense, making his impact felt, you know, put uh, pushing the tempo, getting up the floor. You can do so many different things. If Paul Reed can just develop a little more offensively, I think he's even given Trez potentially a run of his money. So, I, I mean, we're talking about this like there's a lot of depth, and that's a good problem to have. I don't think we've ever had problems like these. Or you look at the other Sixers on this team, right? Another reason the, tre- the Trez uh, Reed lineup can work is because now you have shooters. You have guys yeah. that are willing to shoot, that can knock down shots. And I just think it makes for a better a better team and a better environment, honestly, more competition. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah, hundred percent competition brings out the best in everyone. And that's terrific to see. And for a team that is so win now focused and, and it has their goals of contending for a championship as the Sixers do, you can only take on like so many developmental players. And uh, as much as like, I love b Paul and I've been very encouraged by what I've seen, he still falls under that like developmental category and that there's things that he needs to get better at is working to get better at. And he has, he's shown progress, but Charles Bassey's in that same category. And there really just isn't room to carry both those guys, even though they do do little different things. And uh, I still do believe in Bassey in the long haul. I think he is an NBA player, but I don't think his time is with the Sixers. I do think he'll be cut and he'll land somewhere and be successful. But I, I think b Paul can just do so much more as far as I think Bassey fits the mold that we're looking toward towards the the Andre Jordan, nah, the more like the Dwight Howard's, the DeAndre Jordan, that kind of flavor of guys that can block shots, catch lobs, pick and roll are effective in that. B-Ball Paul is more like a shade different where he can guard on the perimeter. He just like gets his hands everywhere, is is more well-rounded defensively and can do everything. And I think that's more important for what the Sixers need. So I think it's the right choice to go with him, put the focus on him and, uh, Michael Foster Jr., who's on an Exhibit 10 contract right now, uh, both the two-way guys, those guys getting minutes before Charles Bassey and Isaiah Joe getting in the game tonight, definitely not a good look, for, or not a good indication for, for their futures. And Bassey specifically, I think, is the odd man out. You know I'm an Isaiah Joe guy, man. You know I'm a Joe guy. Where where was he? Like, even last game, he comes in, he produces. And then it's like, he can't yeah. get any burn. Not not a few minutes. Fourth quarter, he got on in there turning the ball over. By the way, Sixers only had 12 turnovers on the night. Another big emphasis point. Hornets had 24. Uh, Sixers taking care of the ball, which is huge. But you got Furkan turning it over. You got Champagne in there, even though he hit a shot. Where the heck is Isaiah Joe? What is going on? Yeah, I wish I had a better answer on that. I, I <laughs> think he deserves to be in the mix. I, I It doesn't make sense to me. This is we, We've been super critical in years past of the Doc Rivers, like just being afraid to play the young guys. But in preseason, it's like, this is the time. And even if you are planning on cutting these guys, like I, if I'm in Doc Rivers' shoes right now, I'm still seeing like exactly what I have in Charles Bassey and Isaiah Joe and, and all these guys and Trevlin Queen, who has already been released. It's like, I would rather at least make sure, like, let's see what these guys can do because you just can see like a different kind of like skill set and what they can do in a game situation versus what you see in practice. And they for sure have a better feel of what they're capable of from seeing them on a day in and day out thing. But like, Isaiah Joe's skill set is still something that is always beneficial to an NBA team. And he does seem like he's gotten kind of the, the short end of the stick throughout his time here. I hope he sticks around. I, I like him a lot as well. And I, I hope there's a, a spot for him, but I don't know. I, it's very weird to me to just not give him any run at all. He comes in last game. He immediately 
creates separation, hits a step back three. To me, it looks like he's gotten more athletic. Looks like he's worked on his physical stature and and his game. I just don't get it, man. I and I don't know, man. It's it's tough because I like the guy. I'm not saying he deserves the starter or get 15 minutes a game, but every time I see him, just a little taste, just a little sample size. He's doing something positive, man. And in the first game, the third game, he did something positive. And I just thought like I, I wish Doc Rivers would just let these guys play a little bit more because we're in the preseason. All right. The starters go deep into the third quarter. It just it like I don't have any reason for that, especially when PJ goes down, right? And you got Embiid turning in the low block trying to dunk over two guys. Meanwhile, Nick Richards for the Hornets is grabbing his hand. He's walking off the floor. You know what I mean? Like you gotta let some of the guys play. Yeah, definitely. And I get kind of the the business aspect of it too. Like when you look at the contracts on these guys, Isaiah Joe's on a non-guaranteed deal, meaning if they cut him, they don't owe him anything. Charles Bassey's gonna be owed 74 grand, which is in the scheme of NBA things is pretty much nothing. Uh so like that kind of points them toward the door. But I don't think it should change the the thought process that much of just getting the best 15 guys on your roster. And uh I I don't know. I have a hard time like swallowing that, especially just yeah. kind of not it not feeling like got a fair shake, but it is also a testament to how much deeper this team has gotten and how hard it is like for guys to compete for a minute. So in some extent, it's a good problem to have that how much depth there is, but there's guys that do get the the bad side of it. Yeah, exactly, man. And look at the end of the day, we're about to get into the regular season. We're going to see the rotation where hopefully it's going to play out similar to how it did tonight. We're going to talk about that. I want to pull up this one Trez play real quick. I think you alluded to it earlier. Like, just look at this, man. Like, gets blocked, stays with it, goes up, screaming, patting his head. Like, those are just some of the things he brings to his team. That that mentality, that culture, that toughness, right? Imagine him, Tucker, Niang, guys like that in the games that matter. This team's going to be a lot of freaking fun, man. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I thought was very cool about Trez in his uh, introductory press conference at Sixers Media Day is they asked him about that altercation with Joel Embiid last year and if they had addressed it. Yeah. And Trez said, like, they hadn't talked about it. And then he goes on and says, like, but to be honest, like, that's the type of thing that I love. Like, that we both mm-hmm. understand it's about competing. And, to be, like, that made me want to play with Joel more. And yeah. I thought that was very cool to see the mindset, to see them, like, being able to separate that competing line and to have that type of guy who's ready to go, like, eye to eye with Joel Embiid, who very few people, few people or players are, is awesome to have on our side. He's awesome, man. He's awesome. Shout out to everybody in the chat. 2.30 up in here. Hit that thumbs up button if you're enjoying the Sixers post game live. Subscribe to the show. Obviously, there's not too much to talk about on this one. We'll uh, take a break. When we come back, me and Sean are going to give our predictions for the Sixers bench five. Now, I want to hear from you in the chat or call us up 508-924-3784. Maybe you want to chime in on this game, the season. Me and Sean will also preview the season a little bit, how we think the Sixers could get off to a hot start or a cold start, and we're going to talk about the bench. I want to hear from everybody in the chat. Who do you think the Sixers' five should be off the bench? We saw a couple different combinations. We saw some interesting things tonight, some different guys running with other units. I'm interested to hear what Sean has to say. We might disagree on it. I don't know because we haven't talked about it, but we will be back in just a second. I want to tell you guys about our sponsor of tonight's show. Shout out to Manscaped, leading provider of below the waist men's grooming products. Their performance package 4.0 is the absolute game changer. The industry, man, they have the lawnmower 4.0. Get yourself one of those, the weed whacker, the crop reviver, the crop toner, man. All the products you need to protect the jewels. And uh, man, you got to go trim the bushes. You got to keep the ladies happy. Their lawnmower 4.0 is the best product they have in my personal opinion, has skin safe technology. It even has a flashlight on it, cutting edge ceramic blade to make sure you're not nicking the jewels, man. You know how it goes, man. You're going through the process. You're talking to a girl, getting around first base, second base. You want to, um, you know, get to that point, but, but you can't forget to trim the bushes. No worries. Manscaped has you covered. Go get yourself one of these. Trust me, your, your lady will love you for it. Click the link down in the description. Use promo code Philly Take for 20% off and free shipping. Shout out to Manscaped for presenting tonight's show. All right, man, let's get back to it. Let's get back to it. So, Sean, I'm going to let you have the floor, man. Your backup five for the Sixers. Come game one, because believe it or not, we're only like, what, five days away? Like, the season is here. We can finally put this preseason behind us. It was fun while it lasted, 4-0. 
And now the Sixers are getting into real business could because come next week, once we play, that's going in the winner loss column. And who do you think Doc Rivers should run out there as the second five coming in off the bench? Okay, and this is uh, who I think should or who I think will? Go with who do you think it should be. We'll, we'll start with that. Your, your preferred five, Sean Bernard's preferred five coming off the bench. Okay, my preferred five. So definitely getting Trez in there. I'm definitely getting B-Ball Paul in there. I, I agree. I think they both can play. I think you can even roll out lineups with them both on the court that I think could wreak havoc and just like create some crazy intensity on both sides of the floor. I think it'd be very fun. Uh, B-Ball Paul is a guy who I, I still hang on to him shooting 45% from three at the G League level, which to some extent I feel like has a translate. So he can space the floor enough, I think. Uh, moving on beyond that, uh, DeAnthony Melton to me is a, a guy you have to have. He's, I think, going to be the the prize of this bench unit as a whole just because of how versatile he is, how he is as a ball handler. The way he can like pick a guy's pocket and go coast to coast is something like significantly, I think, more just more athletic than Matisse, more, just all around more well-rounded than Matisse in a way that like has the same effect but in a better way in my mind. Next up, I'm going Daniel House, who I think rocks and has been the, the underrated signing of this offseason, a guy who also brings the intensity is super willing shooter. I love the bow and arrow celebration that he breaks out after uh, every shot. So that's my four. Uh, where I was differing on this is I think Shake Milton slips into the the bench rotation. I think Doc Rivers is going to play him. Personally, I would not throw Milton in the mix. I I, I get the ball extra ball handler thing, but for my fifth guy, I'm throwing it to Georges Niang. I'm keeping it with the minivan. I like a guy that can just shoot it, is willing to shoot whenever. And he's a, another guy I think can play with pretty much any lineup. He has the defensive, uh, a little bit of defensive deficiencies for sure, but just like a floor spacer and a guy like is willing to shoot with a person in his grill is something that's, I think, necessary on the bench unit. So to recap, you're going with Shake Milton, Daniel House, and then are you going with Niang, Reed, and Trez? Is that your I'm going uh, not shake Melton. I'm going Melton, Harold, Reed, House, and uh, Niang. So okay. Melton's my guard essentially. Okay, so you're going Niang, Reed, and Trez. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, we're definitely off on this, but I love it, man. That's that's what we do here. <laughs> Philly take with RB, man. We we debate, we discuss. Um, I I can't put Paul Reed in there. I think he can be a, a guy like we talked about earlier, who you can like play based on matchup. You can substitute. But my five, I got to go with Shake Milton. I got to go with DeAnthony Melton. I think Daniel House gets in there. I think Niang goes at the four and Trez at the five. Now, I will say this. I have not been overly impressed with Shake Milton. Now, maybe that's just me kind of going off what I believe will happen. Maybe I think Doc Rivers is going to put Shake in there just because he has that experience. But we may get to a point early in the season where Shake's not playing anymore. Because to me, I, I always feel the same way about Shake Milton. It's like, I know it's in there, but do I see it consistently? And I don't. I don't. I don't see that aggression, that, that it factor consistently. But, mm-hmm. but to start, I think a, it, it's been an interesting ride with Shake. Like, we've, we've seen the highs of the highs, his 37 point performance where he just erupted, us kind of crowning him the sixth man. When Doc Rivers took this job, and obviously the 37 point performance was against the Clippers when Doc was the opposing coach. So that kind of influenced it for sure. But I remember him saying, like, the NBA hasn't caught up to Shake Milton yet and like that yeah. kind of thing. And it's like, we've also seen him go through stretches where he's just flat out unplayable. And I think the, the pro in the play Shake Milton con- uh, column is just like him being an additional ball handler like having another guy that can like dribble up and down the court, run plays a little bit where I kind of sour on shake is just looking at him is I don't think there's a singular like NBA quality that like he excels at. Like, I don't think there's a singular thing that he stands out at. Like he's decent as a shooter, decent as a ball handler has good wingspan, but I don't think he impacts defensively that much. So that's kind of what, what holds me back on like embracing shake. I do expect doc to play him, but for me, I'm I, I when looking at like how this roster shakes out or trying to make moves, Shake Milton would be a guy I personally would be willing to to move on from. I agree 100. percent And and I will say this: I think an even better route to go about would be to actually stagger Maxi and Harden and and keep one of them on the floor at all times. Totally. Because yeah. when I think about the bench, the reason I'm putting Shake Milton there is because I don't think DeAnthony Melton is ready yet to be the backup full-time point guard you know I, I like what he does off the ball I like his catch and shoot 
I think he's developing that ability, and he is a confident shooter. He's going to let it fly. But I, I would like to have another guard now. Maybe that's Tyrese Maxey. Maybe that's Harden at points. You know, let Melton kind of play on and off, kind of like a hybrid. Um, I think that'd be really, really efficient. Now, that brings me to another guy, Matisse Thibel, which I see in the chat. They're saying, you know, what happened to Matisse Thibel? Yeah, that, I'm wondering the same thing. What's going on with Matisse Thibel? I know people were raving last game about him, you know, knocking down three threes, and, and the players were talking about it. I got to be brutally honest here, man, and I'm a, I love Thibel. Okay, the shot looks the same. They were playing it up. They were they were hyping it up. They said it was different. To me, it looks kind of the same. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm encouraged by him being more willing to shoot it. I think there is a difference there with him just wanting to let it fly, let it fly more. How I feel about how he should be used is I don't think he's any more that like defensive stopper that you need. I think he's a guy that you kind of keep in your back pocket. And if there's like a, an occasion where a guy like starts getting it going early it's like like a situation like shake things up like use him in 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 small doses i think is the best way to get the most out of them and like a situation uh, yeah exactly like just like a quick a quick burst like kind of what he did with steph and he obviously played a ton of minutes against steph last year but i think that was the most impressed i've been with a matisse thibel performance of him just like chasing him around screens doing his thing i think you use him like that is that there's nights where you're just not going to need matisse where like there just isn't the need for that type of defense a guy that's purely defensive oriented like that but i mean he'll he'll play i think there'll be nights where he plays like 30 minutes and nights where he plays zero so he'll be around but i don't think a guy you we rely on i agree and i think it's like him being a first round pick they want him to be that guy you know and he has that but like i see it there like you just said there's performances where if he could just knock down a couple shots like what he brings defensively when he's really locked in could drastically change his team I just look at a guy like Daniel House, and I'm honestly a little bit surprised because Daniel House has really, to me, optimized his minutes. Like, every time I see him in there, he's creating some type of spark for this team. He's knocking down a shot, and I think he kind of fits Harden's play style very well back, you know, to the Houston days. It just it looks more natural, and if Matisse Thibel is not going to be able to hit shots, I like him taking more. I do, but I have to be completely honest with you. I don't know if he's going to take any come day one, come day two. Like, it's, I don't know with Matisse Thibel. And if he's not shooting, if he's unplayable and defenders are walking away from him, I don't feel that you can go ahead and play him consistently. But it's like, to me, Daniel House has done a lot this preseason. And look, I hope Thibel gets the minutes. I hope they give him a shot. But he's got to make the most of it, man. Yeah. And I will say, like, it is a definitely a big year for Matisse Thibel. Going into last year of his contract, uh, there's been a lot of kind of tap dancing behind the scenes around what, what negotiations have looked like between them. Uh, I I think the him taking the strides forward as like a willing shooter are more out of necessity than out of like actual growth. Uh, and he is like a being a 35% shooter away from being like an elite three and D guy, but he just yeah. has to show that. And he did as a rookie shoot 35%, but then it sunk down to 30% shot 31% last year. And what has been like, especially discouraging to me is to see, despite playing six more minutes a game last year, he shot less attempts than he did from three yeah. as a rookie, which is like, that's kind of the indication to me. And to his credit, like, uh, we obviously saw all the the pump up from these Sixers and all around about the jump shot this offseason. He was working out with Dame Lillard, working on a shot, worked out with DeMar DeRozan this offseason, worked out with a uh, Phil Beckner, who's a pretty famed NBA shooting coach. So I feel like he's trying to take the steps, but I still don't ne- just necessarily believe in the results. And I think these guys that are like breathing down his neck, D'Anthony Melton and Daniel House specifically, it's worth sacrificing like a little bit of the defense for so much of the all-around offensive play based on what the Sixers are trying to do. Yeah, I agree. Here's Matisse Thibel post-game. He's out there getting shots up like he is every game. You know, he here's at the free throw line, which I don't know why he is. Um, but I, I just don't know. And and I think you bring up a good point there. Like, I feel like you're hinting at the fact that Daryl Morey got tired of watching some of these guys who are, like, on the fence, you know, do what they continue to do. It's like, <clears throat> get better or you don't have a role in this team. We're trying to go all in. You go out, you get DeAnthony Melton, who we know is going to take shots, who we know is going to try to improve. You go out, get Daniel House, who we know fits with James Harden. And it's like now the the minutes are getting scarce. The opportunities are getting limited for certain guys like Matisse Thibel, like Shake, like Ferk. If they're not coming out here and producing, I just don't see them having a role in this team. And and just to bring up Ferk on Korkmaz, like what's going on? Like you have to show progression. And he came out. I mean, he was turning the ball over. 
there's nights, there's uh, there's moments where these guys look great. Yes, they can be those consistent bench pieces. Then there's other moments where it's like, where were they? You know, they, did they even exist tonight? And I don't think the Sixers can can have that and continue to build that together and and try that. Oh, we'll give you a shot. We'll continue to give you a shot when they're trying to you know bring some consistency to this bench. Mm-hmm. And as far as Furkan goes. I think the Sixers have made a little bit of a mistake in the developmental process of Furkan Korkmaz. And some of it's out of necessity, just the lack of guards and, and ball handlers that they've had. A lot of it happened during the Ben Simmons holdout when there was just that hole in the roster. But his progression has shifted into more of like an on-ball guy and a, a little bit of a playmaker. He does it for, for Turkey in the Olympics and for whenever he plays at home. But I think his NBA role should be purely as like a spot up shooter guy. He's six foot seven. He he shot 40% from three in an entire season before. Like that's what we should be focusing in on. I think throwing these like extra responsibilities of trying to make him a playmaker, trying to make him run the offense. I think it's hurt him in the long haul. Like I I think if his focus was just like becoming an off ball shooter, do you remember when Furkan used to be like buzzing around the perimeter, like searching for threes? Like now he's the, the on ball guy trying to create a little bit. And I think that's like hurt him a major bit, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's it like we've seen what he can do. Like we've seen it in moments in spurts, but we need it to be consistent, man. And I agree. Like at, at the same time though, it's like, will Furk get any opportunity? I don't know. What did he come in the, the fourth quarter today? Like, I feel like he's kind of getting weeded out. But then again, you know, first month of the season, we may see Ferk come in at the first substitution. You just never know with Doc Rivers. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely an odd man looking in. It's the same kind of premise that we talked about with Matisse, but on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, we're looking at, like, Daniel House and DeAnthony Melton as, like, the complete guys who can do two-way things. Like, Furkan and Matisse were, like, the pretty much, like, prime examples like prime time of like guy that can play offense guy that can play defense so like now that we have these guys that can do both they're both kind of looking at like the inside like looking on the outside end of it so i think ferk is like ferk is the less extreme example because he's not as proficient on offense and he's not as deficient on defense as matisse is but it's it's the same kind of premise with it and i think guys like daniel house are just like hopping them and i think we'll continue to as the season goes on yeah i agree now shout out to austin crowley put this uh on twitter a couple quotes from doc rivers just pertaining to things we've been talking about tonight Uh, he says doc rivers described the backup center position as fluid paul reed and Montrose harrell will get their opportunities pj tucker will be in the mix for backup five as well what'd you think of that small ball lineup the other night i thought it was pretty efficient at times yeah, I liked it a lot, actually. And that's been something that I've been, like, excited about with the with all the additions that are made. In fairness to Doc Rivers, like, the Sixers really haven't had the pieces to, like, make that an option coming off the bench to, like, yeah. have a guy like P.J. Tucker that can just go and do that kind of role. And I think D'Anthony Melton played a very vital role in it, too. I thought he was really the, the glue guy of that five-man rotation, being able to switch, being able to buzz around, using his long arms. But I think that's something that in small doses and in the right opportunity – can be very effective for this team, especially when you're kind of building off the contrast of Embiid, who is so post-centered, so rim protection centered, to kind of like just give a shade different and roll it out for a couple minutes. It's definitely something that they should try out a little throughout the season. I agree. And and it started to get a little bit sour last game, but that's because we used it for an entire game. You know, yeah. using it in, yeah. in certain situations, I think it'll be very vital. And I thought Tucker definitely held his own. And I thought when they crashed the center, I thought it was perfect from a defensive mm-hmm. standpoint. So, um, yeah, I liked it. I definitely liked it. And Kyle Newbeck says, um, <clears throat> Doc Rivers talked about their intent going into the year, which we just discussed, is to stagger pairs from the group of four. And Bede, Harris, Harden, Maxie in the starting lineup says they have an idea of where they'll start with those lineups, but where they end up is something that will have to be learned. Now, do you think we should keep one of those guys all on the or one of those guys on the floor at all times? Do you think that is probably what'll what'll happen? Yeah, I think I I liked your point earlier. I think one of either Harden or Maxi, and I that's pretty much because of the ball handling reasons. Like yeah. they're kind of the only two guys I trust on this roster is having the ball in their hands as much as that they do and being able to full out run the offense, even like D'Anthony Mountain, Shake Milton, I just don't feel that that great about it for a, a long term. It's interesting, Tobias. I, I would like him to get some second unit run just so he can kind of like get his shots, get his touches, because we're seeing him embrace this role, which shout out to Tobias. It's not the easiest thing to do. And he's doing yeah. very well at it. Even tonight, I thought he was very willing off the catch and shoot and 
on some contested looks, which has never been his thing. So give him ma- massive credit for that. But it would be nice to kind of just let him like go and, and do his thing a little more. And I think uh, normally I'm pretty like spread out Harden and Embiid because they're your two best players. Yeah. But I just think how dominant that they are together on the court, especially with the pick and roll and everything that you can build off that, you kind of just got to keep them with it. So I think the second unit is going to be Maxi and Tobias time to shine. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think I think that's the way that you optimize this roster most. We know Maxi can play a ton of minutes, you know, like yeah. he's not going to tire out. But for a guy like James Harden, when he comes off the floor, Joel Embiid, I just think there's different ways you can attack teams now. I think you're much more versatile due to guys like PJ Tucker, due to guys like Montrose Harrell. I like it, man. I like it a lot. Speaking mm-hmm. of Trez, by the way, I just saw this as well. Um, he's funny, man. He says, I'm probably the best dressed on the team, to be honest. And then George Niang says, let me borrow one of your chains. And he says, you can have one. I just love his vibe, man. Like, <laughs> it, it's just, I, I think it's going to be awesome seeing these guys together on the floor. But shout out to Trez, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, him and PJ Tucker both are increasingly drip of the Sixers team in a major extent. Both major sneakerheads too. So shout out that for sure. Yeah. What do you think about Niang? Do you think he, he you know, he's going to be productive? I, I thought he had a solid season last year. I thought he was banged up come playoff time. A lot of people were kind of out on him, um, you know, after that playoff showing. But I, I still think he has something left to offer. Yeah, I think uh, he's kind of the rare case in this that all these additions are good for because I think. He just had too much on his plate, was asked too much of him last year. Now that he kind of has a more simplified role that he essentially is going to come in and shoot threes and do a little bit of, you know, play a little defense to his effort. He's not going to be like relied on as heavy or as high usage as was the case last year. So I think he kind of benefits from all these other guys, which is a little strange considering they they essentially hopped him on the depth chart. But I think he'll he'll play a role for sure. Yeah, I'm excited about this team. I think we have a lot going for us. The last thing we'll discuss, man. Coming up in, all right, so today is what, Wednesday? So we have, what, uh, six days to go? I believe six days until our opener. Man, Boston Celtics, Sixers opening up. First game of the season, by the way. All eyes will be on the Sixers that night. It's important that we come out in Boston and show an impressive performance. You know, we got to come out hitting on all cylinders, especially with the Boston drama going on. Robert Williams isn't going to be playing that game. They had that whole thing today about Grant Williams. He might not get an extended. All the drama going on. Sixers need to come out and, and put the pedal to the metal. They need to come out right away and stomp on that team's neck. And I personally believe they can do it. What mm-hmm. do you feel going yeah. into this Sixers-Celtics game? Yeah, I got the Sixers too. I, I'm confident in this team right now. It feels like things are building. Things are starting to click in a way that like I don't feel is the case with the Celtics because of the reasons you alluded to. Yeah. It, as much as like the role of a head coach, I think, is understated in the NBA a lot. Like, Ime Yudoka, like, did some terrific things with that roster last year. And to kind of have this mix up this close to the regular season and that kind of change is going to take some time to develop. And as far as the, the Sixers specifically, starting out against the Celtics and the Bucks in their first two games, we always know we know how everybody jumps to conclusions right away. So it's going to be a, a statement yeah. one way or another and how those two games go. Hey, man, I'm all in for it. Sixers need to come out and punch that team right in the face. Yeah. I think Embiid's going to come out ready. You know, he always gets amped for playing the Celtics. They had that game last year where they absolutely devoured us. I forget if that was the last matchup we had with them, but it was definitely like the third or fourth matchup, if I'm not mistaken. And then you got Tyrese Maxey. You got James Harden. I don't think they have an answer for Tyrese Maxey. I really don't. It's crazy to say. I think they're going to focus a lot on James and Joel. But I think as we get into the early part of the season, and honestly, maybe this is a bold take, I could see Maxi averaging like 25 a game early on. If he's playing off Joel, maybe it's kind of like a read the room type of thing, you know, ride the hot hand. But the way I'm seeing Maxi play right now, he could come right out of the gate averaging 25 in the first month of the, of the season. And I think then more pressure will start to be applied. But that opening game, I think it's going to be a huge Maxi game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love to see it. It's going to be an interesting balance. And it's first off, it's awesome the Sixers make teams kind of make these decisions. But I think we're going to see like the shift of Harden, kind of the, the focus on Harden, which has been so important, the gravity he demands, the defensive attention. I think that's going to kind of start to crowd over to Maxi as he kind of makes his statement in the beginning of the season, as he fully puts himself on the map. Yeah. And then when that happens, it's going to become the, the make or break James Harden. Like, does he have it? And 
I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing so far, but it's going to be an interesting balance to see how teams try and guard both those guys because you can't just full out key on key in on either one. Yeah, I agree. So so the Sixers play the Celtics. I'm just pulling up the schedule here. I want I want to make sure I get it right. We play the Celtics, and then we play Milwaukee, which is going to be a big game. That's two right off the bat. But then you got San Antonio, Indiana, a pair against the Raptors, the Bulls, pair against Washington, the Knicks. Suns, a pair against Atlanta, Utah. Sixers could could come out here and, and start strong, man. Like this is a favorable schedule. If they could come out here and start like, you know, like 10 and three or something like that, this team could be well on their way. And I, I think it's important for a team that's trying to win a championship to establish that DNA early on. You know, like they need to come out and show, okay, we're the real deal. Now, as you go through a season, things happen. But usually you can tell early on, like, okay, that team's legit. That team's for real. Yeah, definitely. And there's obviously going to be the statement in the first two games, and that's going to play a major role. And as far as, like, the record goes, it's kind of like like uh, your grades in school. Like, if you tank that first test, it's a lot more work to kind of bring your grade back up versus, like, if you kill that first one, you can kind of coast a little bit on the next one, and, and things kind of hang in there. So as long as they can start out the gate, jump near the top of the standings, it's easier to stay up there than to try and climb your way up. So I would love a hot start. I think the the – the pathway is laid for them, and they got to just come in and take care of business. Absolutely, man. Shout out to my guy Sixers Break Room in the chat. Says Thibault's going to play a lot on this team. Shout out to all the members in here. Merxy, D Green. Merxy said, um, what do you say? He said, scoring won't be a problem for the squad if they get their chemistry right. I'm worried about getting stops consistently. I agree with that. I agree. You got you to play as a unit, man. First two games on TNT. Boston and Milwaukee. Man, the Wells Fargo is going to be rocking when Giannis comes to town. I cannot wait to see what happens. Two statement games right away. I think a lot of people are going to be chirping about this Sixers team, especially on the national level, based on what happens in those two games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be statement games. I think these Sixers are starting to pick up the the national buzz. I think of late, these last like couple weeks, I've started to feel it. I think since like the roster is being shown on the floor, it's like, the holes in this team are not as clear as they once were. And I'm, I I don't think it's perfect. I think there's probably like another move or maybe even two that Daryl Morey pulls, but prior to the deadline, but like just the depth and everything that is here, it's tough not to be excited about this team. So much is reliant on what version of James Harden it is and what he has in the tank. But I, I'm thrilled right now. I could not be more excited for the season to actually start. And I think there are going to be the real deal and everyone's going to find that out pretty quickly. I'm so freaking pumped, man. Now that we got the preseason past us, it is time, man. I can't wait to get it get it going. It's going to be a long season, but as always, we'll continue to break it down. Shout out to my guy, Sean. Uh, follow him on Twitter, Sean underscore Bernard one. Follow me, RB Philly Take. We're covering the season all year long, all the in-depth coverage, man. Uh, this is a lot of fun, man, and, and it's good to see the Sixers end off the preseason on a W, 4-0. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's good for the preseason to be over. Like you said, uh, they're perfect. So you can't really complain about everything, but I'm ready for these to count. I'm ready for real rotations where we're actually worried about the results more. It's a different mindset for a regular season for both the players and for us watching. So it's no longer kind of like, like just what does this guy have? It's like, how does this all fit together? So yeah. I'm excited for things to count and uh, it's time. We've waited a little while for this. The off season's over. Pre-season's it's been a, been a over, long one. Let's make it happen. It's been a long one, man. Hey, Hit that like button. Shout out to everybody coming through. Once again, Philly Take with RB. Sixers post game live. RB and Sean Bernard breaking it all down. Sixers get the dub. 99 to 94. Pretty much saw everything we wanted to see. Sixers go 4 and 0. And now it's on to the games that matter. Sean, appreciate you coming through, man. Always a good time. And uh, we'll keep on bringing it, breaking it down, man. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Hit that thumbs up button. Be sure you're hitting that subscribe too, man. Y'all have a great night. Sixers get the dub. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace.